Hello, welcome to the Jock and Journo Show. What a massive week it has been in football. And oh boy, hasn't a lot of the discussion been revolving around our man. We're going to get there in a second. Hello, I'm Jay Clark, Braden Cox. Hello to you. G'day, guys. How's it going? And a big welcome to the five-time best and fairest, five-time All-Australian, and now three-time Anzac Day medalist, the captain of Collingwood. Hello, Scotty Pendlebury. G'day, mate. Mm. How are we going? Another quiet week in footy. Hey, mate, so we're going to get straight into it, let's be honest. Such a significant win for your footy club, I thought, on Anzac Day last Thursday, and a significant performance from yourself, it was a uh, it was a huge effort uh, to get the boys over the line by four points against Essendon. Of course, such a tense, thrilling, and compelling game, and it didn't have to be high scoring either. We're talking a lot about scores, Scotty. We can have tense, enthralling games without it being high scoring, can't we? Yeah, well, I think well, both sides kicked ten goals each. So, I think last week I said that we would have to be able to defend them really well, and I think for the majority of the game we did that. So to keep, I think they'd been kicking twenty goals a week, so we halved that, but. I would have liked us. I think our scoring has got to improve a little bit. Kicking 10 goals is not going to be enough against, um, you know, sides moving forward. I think we need to get around that 14, 15 goal mark. Big Friday night game against Port Adelaide who run and gun. Yeah, they move the footy very aggressively. Marvel Stadium, we'll get to that in a second. But I want to ask you, Scott, again, congratulations on your performance against the Bombers. But what were you thinking as you stepped up to the microphone and – the Essendon crowd, as you as you be, just as you began to thank them, the Essendon fans started booing you. You're in front of the microphone. The whole football world is watching. Just played a terrific game. What did you think in that moment? Um, yeah, I suppose when I was get going up um, to get the award, I initially wanted to thank the crowd on behalf uh, on behalf of both sides because Essendon don't get a chance to speak. Um, you know, and I've obviously played enough Anzac days to know that when we've lost, you don't get a chance to say anything. And I reckon both. Teams would have been hugely thankful for the crowd, and we were. Um, but yeah, as I said, you know, as I went to say on behalf of both sides, I'd like to thank the crowd. And then they started booing. I just, my immediate reaction was, I'm not going to talk over this. I'll let this drown out, wait. And then once they calm down, I'll go again. So I wasn't going to try and talk through booing. Um, and then, thankful enough, the Collingwood Army got going as well and drowned out those boots. Why did you think? They were booing. Was it clear to you immediately? It couldn't have been clear to you straight away why the Essendon fans were booing. Yeah, so like my my thoughts to, as to why they were booing is probably the last four or five minutes they felt hard done by with a few of the umpiring decisions. So I thought that, but I didn't know. So it could have been at me, but I immediately thought that it was probably because they're still frustrated about how the game unfolded, thought they got the raw end of the stick. Um, so that's what I thought. Um, did you did you feel a bit hurt by it or no nah, not like, at all I so it didn't bother me at all um, I suppose and then um, you know and speaking to Alex after the game like she knows what I'm like she 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 knew straight away that it wouldn't bother me so she didn't even bring it up um, you mean robot Scott yeah well I, I don't know I just that stuff never has phased me so mum and dad didn't even talk to me about it I went straight back into the rooms after the game and did your mum and dad hear it they were coming down to the rooms. Um, so they didn't hear it. and well, then, But obviously they everyone asked them, you know, family, friends, how did you feel when Scott got booed, blah, blah, blah. And like they everyone said. did. And then, I don't know, because they don't talk to me about it. They probably know better than now to talk to me about it because I would just give them nothing. Um, <laughs> yeah, it didn't wash with me. So, um, 
Yeah, and then the other thing is I knew I didn't do anything in the game, you know, so I reckon like players do get booed because, you know, if I had a club someone behind play or clean someone up in play, that Dived. I'd probably understand that I would cop one. So, yep. um, yeah, so then that was that and then um, sang the song and pretty good win, I thought. So in the moment, you, you had a pretty good idea that it was about some umpiring stuff late yeah. in the game and, yeah. and the frustration and emotion of the loss rather than anything you personally did. Yeah. What? I, yeah, I knew that it wasn't at me. Yeah. But I – Oh, sorry. I thought it wasn't at me. Yeah. Because as you said, I couldn't have been sure. Yeah. So then skip forward a minute and your coach, Nathan Buckley. I didn't Buck- speak for that long, did I? Oh, you, like 30 <laughs> seconds. He's so precise, isn't that he? That was the length of the pause. <laughs> yeah, even with the timings. Um, so then your coach, Nathan Buckley, gets up to the microphone and yep. he – and it was probably you know one of the most dramatic moments um, of the day. And as I tweeted, one of the – Great calls of the year, I thought. But he comes up to the microphone and he defends you. Yeah. So you've known Bucks for a long time. You guys are obviously close. You've yep. been through a lot together. What did What did you think at that point? Um, well, initially, I didn't hear what he he said because um, when you stand next to somebody who talks on the mic in a like stadium like that, you like I can't hear him. You had no um, idea. I you had were no unaware. idea what he said. I just heard the crowd just erupt. So I was like, I don't, I'm not quite sure what he said here, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and then when he spoke and I went back and then I said to – I think it was Sidey. I said, what did Buck say at the start of that? And he's like, oh, I think he said, um, shame on anyone who booed the champion or something like that. Yeah. And then I like, I thought, yeah, well, that's cool. Like My coach has got my back and I love that. Yeah. Um, uh, he didn't need to do it, but it was good. It's always nice when someone has your back and supports you. And has that always been the case um – with you guys, or has this been more of a that Collingwood camaraderie? Do you feel that's been more the case over the past couple of years, or um, is I that think, always I think been where like the whole society is moving? Is usually um, you just assume that they have you back, yeah. but it's nice now to know that you yeah. know people actually will say it, speak out. So yeah. I don't know, maybe ten years ago, Bucks would have just got up there and accepted the trophy, said what he had to say, and then walked off and yeah. been said something to me privately. Yeah. Um, whereas now it's like there's no shame in. Supporting your, your captain and I'll do the same for him. And, yep. um, yeah, it's funny though because I was like, now Collingwood fans are going to love him even more, clearly. <laughs> yeah. And opposition going to hate him even more. <laughs> Although I think opposition is opposite. I reckon he's turned the um, wheel a bit on that. I reckon he's got resp- he's, he's had respect from everyone, but yep. I reckon everyone likes him um, a lot more over the last few years. He's one of the statesmen of the game now, yeah. you know, and his willingness and openness more yeah. more recently. Like I've he's known him – do you have association with the um, any of the football shows on night times? No. The front I bar? did see him on the front bar. That was so funny. And it was excellent. <laughs> yeah. Shirt off, getting interviewed. <laughs> <laughs> they did hang it on him, didn't they? Oh, so good. Yeah. So good. Um, on the on the guest, so would you have established if your feelings weren't hurt in that no, in the booing side? Yeah, I went home and um, didn't <laughs> really – yeah, I slept feelings. well. <laughs> I slept well. He's a human too, just because he, he's won five he times, five times three. We're, we're into our third season. We've established he doesn't have feelings. <laughs> <laughs> he does because, you know, that's an interesting point. Well, the inner circle yes. is important to me. Yes. If you're not in that inner circle. Yep. Is that us? Doesn't, doesn't oh, yeah, me, but you, you guys Jay, and Nick yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys didn't boo. Yeah, our three nickname. <laughs> yeah, but no, no, I'm we didn't fine. boo, did we? You I'm didn't fine. boo. I'm, tw- I'm tweeting out against the booing. Yeah, I'm copying yeah. it on. I'm copying yeah, flack yeah. on your behalf. When, when, when Buck said what he said, I was sitting in the car listening on the radio, and I just had a moment of like, oh, he said it. He yeah. said something, and I was just like, what's the reaction going to be? I thought <laughs> yeah. it was good. That said, right in terms of your 
Just quickly on this. Your emotion, feeling, etc. right? I know in, you've weathered the storm better than anyone, and that's why you're a great captain because we've been through some difficult – you've been through some difficult times. <laughs> we just sort of jumped on the coattails, Coco, to be honest. But a couple of years ago when the, for you, boy. <laughs> when the joint was falling apart, you boxed on, right? And yeah. you didn't finger point and you kept going. And that's, you know, that's when leadership is harder. So we admire for all that. But when the siren went on the weekend – and I've seen a photo, it might be on your Instagram account, you gave the double fist pump and there's just this moment of euphoria for you, right? Like you've just got this absolute joy and you're, you're bellowing out and, you know, that's the, that's when we see the emotion in you yeah. rather than the, the, the mirrored part. So yeah. that did you feel that, that build up or like because you're always so level, yeah. when you do get to – Succeed. You give you, you give yourself just that short window. Yeah, to well, I think um, express yourself. Like my version of expressing myself is when the game starts. Prep, prep for the game, and then the game, um, and then that oh, that couple of minutes after a win is mm-hmm. the best feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, by the time say by the, I reckon by the time I've got all the boys back at the top of the race, I've managed to drag Coxie from the other end of the ground, high <laughs> five, and every single person in the stadium back Good. down the race. Good call. But we go in. Um, by that stage, I reckon I've processed the win. I've enjoyed it. Yeah. I sing the song, enjoy that. But yeah. then, like I'm knackered. Yeah. Like I'm done. You I need sleep. I just even last week after the game, I knew that I would have to do some media straight away. I remember just saying to to Meg, um, "I need five. Give me five minutes." And she's like, "Yeah, no worries. Go take five. And I just went and sat in front of my locker and just put some ice on. Just. Give me like five minutes because like I'm so like when I play I'm so engaged, seeing what's happening, thinking what's happening, talking to teammates, communicating. It's exhausting. Um, yeah, it's an exhausting process. And then yeah, once you finish, it's just like, give me five minutes. Let me have a bottle of water. Let me have something to eat. Let me yeah. chill, and then I'll jump back in. Travis spoke said during the week that uh, the captaincy weighed on him, and he's attributed his good form uh, to relinquishing that. As a captain, do you kind of feel that pressure to think about everyone else week in, week out? Yeah, it's funny. I heard that on, um, I think it was Triple M, I don't know, Friday or Saturday. When did they play? They played Friday night, so it might have been Saturday. Um, yeah, someone sent me the bit and just had it, like asked, said, have a listen to this, found it interesting. And um, yeah, I think what Bokey was saying is definitely something that I reckon every captain would feel at, at certain stages, that, um, that you feel like you've got the whole club, the weight of the whole club on your shoulders. Um, especially when things aren't going as well. Uh, and even like little things that I was thinking about when I listened to him say it, it's just, you know, you're checking in like with guys, say for me in the VFL who aren't playing well, so you're trying to help them get back on track. You're, you know, the next time the team wants to have a beer, you might have to organise the function. So you're dealing with, um, you know, restaurants or bars or whatever. And then the next time like something the needs to happen, like the George. And then you've got to do like an optional recovery session. So the captain organises that, like, just the load that gets spread and that's why I think I've said it now for a few years that one of the best things that happened in my time was leadership groups. You can spread that load across everyone. Um, the support networks that we have at our club the last few years have been exceptional. So, um, you know, even like leadership group meetings used to take minutes and all that type of crap really. Now it's, you know, we've got leadership culture which is maxi he works with the coaches um there's a lot more people to do these jobs and that let the the leadership group just focus on the playing group and performance um and that element so we don't have to try and do everything um and the same with the coach i feel like the coach would have that way more than the captain but say me and bucks with that load has been taken off by you know people that have been employed by the club and, and very good at their role 
I wonder how much the review – question, Coco. I wonder how much the review saved you in a sense then. Like the 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 round the, the crossroad that the club faced with the review yeah. last year, year before, bringing in Maxi, supporting more Nathan and yourself. It's yeah. probably allowed you still to be captain, right? I wonder yeah. if you still would be. Oh, 100%. I think that um, – and I've said this before. I think Pete Murphy coming in and Walsh coming in and do, doing what they did um, – just completely refreshed the football department. Um, they've made some great appointments. Um, you know, Maxi's role that he does for the AFL side, for the AFLW, for netball. Um, yeah, I can't imagine going back and being captain without Maxi there doing what he does for us. Mm. Um, you know, he is the conduit between the players and the coaches, works with the leadership group, the emerging leaders group, works with the coaches. You've got Walsh's support. Um, yeah, it's so it's... How the club's been for the last two years has just been um, amazing, and it's you know it's just we've got really good people in there. Do you have a? Do you think about having an end date on your time as captain? Do you think there's um, a? I think we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. I think I think I'll know when the time's right. Um, you know whether that be at the end of this year or end of next year or whenever it is. So I think we've got you know guys that very easily could do it. You know if I. I know I didn't play this week or whatever. There's guys that are mm. capable of. We've got a really strong leadership group. We've got emerging leaders. Um, I think that if I was a sole captain just by myself, you know, that stuff that um, Boki mentioned where, the you know, the load gets too much. But I feel like we've got such a good group that, you know, yeah. I think externally I'm the captain. I'm the, the face of the playing group. Whereas internally I see it as, um, you know, horizontal leadership almost that yep. there's so many guys, you know, I feel – you know, on the track, it's, um, you know, Taylor Adams, Sidey, um, Geordie Degoe, guys like that. They drive training intensity, Adam Trelaw, Brody Grundy. Then even, you know, in the gym, you know, Brody, Braden Maynard, you know, Darcy Moore, Adam Trelaw again, Taylor Adams, those guys drive, drive the intensity. So, yeah, it's almost like it's like a manager in, in soccer, you know, as captain or coach, you sit back and you've got people that take those areas and really drive it. Not sure those boys have got the same death stare that you've got, though, Scotty. That's when your game raises, when you get the brows out, Coco. They let emotion get in the way. <laughs> Scott doesn't let emotion get in the way. The death stare. Science is powerful. Eddie, yes. I know, I've copped it a few times. Hey, um, Coco, it's an interesting question. Who is Collingwood's best player in 2019? I always like to have a look at the AFL Coaches Association votes. Just give just gives me some feedback, a bit of a reference point, and make sure I'm I'm uh, keeping up with what the coaches think. And uh, at the moment, our man Scotty Pendlebury currently leading on yeah. 22, equal leading with Brody Grundy, and then it's a bit of a uh, a mixed pack after that. Our boy, age 31, over here, still not going too bad. Interesting, the amount of plus 30 year olds in the top 15 of the AFL CA leaderboard. Gary Ablett's in there, age 34. Travis Boak. One of the most underrated players in the competition, you just mentioned before. He's also in there. So the, the, the old um, Dave Mundy played well on the weekend. Yeah, I'm not sure he's in the top 15 of the leaderboard, though. Oh, all the old dogs. But the old yeah. boys, yeah, well, squeezing the, I think with juicing the, the lemon. I think with the runners, too, we, we play an important part. Experienced players with no runners. Yep. You've got to be able to Barking control the game and get get stuff done out there. So and, that, and the coaches see a lot of value in those experienced players as well. We're gonna, we've spoken a bit about footy. We're going to talk about our game, our thoughts on the latest Game of Thrones episode. Stay tuned for that. We're going to get to that at the end of the segment. So if you haven't seen it already, don't stress. We'll do that at the very end. But, uh, There'll I've be got, plenty of warnings. It, yes. got ruined, it got ruined for me. Uh, Not you, ruined for me. But yeah. I'll, 
No, later, we'll play, later, yeah. later. Hey, um, just quickly on the on the game, Scotty Collingwood is now the number one uh, marking side inside forward fifty. You have the most yeah. marks inside forward fifty. What do you put that down to? Um, oh, we had a higher number against Brisbane, so obviously that inflates it a little yep. bit. Um, but I think our connection's improving. Mm-hmm. So you know, last we still haven't played yet with our full forward line together in terms of you know Will Hoskin Elliott came back on the weekend. Jamie um, back this week. Jamie Elliott, uh, providing it gets through training, will be yeah. back. Geordie Degoe, Coxie, Checkers. Oh, potent. Um, so, yeah, I think we're just finding that balance between how everyone plays together where you can put guys in positions to maximise their strengths, hide their weaknesses a little bit. Um, and then, uh, yeah, trying to be m- even more unselfish around goals as well. You know, if you've got a shot from 45 and an angle and there's a little square up pass that you use it because those sort of things deflate sides but also give you an easy shot at goal. So... Yeah, we're, we're doing well in, um, you know, marks when we go inside, scores percentage when we go inside. So our connection's been strong, which is, you know, I think 18 months ago was a weakness. So we've turned that around. Can Daniel Wells play a meaningful role in the back half of the season, Scott? So we've seen Gary Ablett, what he's been able to do with his finishing ball use inside 50. He wrote about this today in the Herald Sun. Got some scathing criticism, right? The public have given up on Daniel Wells. If you have a look at the replies on my Twitter account, I reckon 90% of it was extremely negative. The footy fans don't think that Daniel Wells have got anything left, judging by the social media response. I still think he's one of the best ball users in the AFL. Whether his body is still up to it, Scott, that's the big question mark. I don't don't know that. You get to see it. You get to see him close up every day. When he gets back into the AFL side, Liam Pickering says he, he definitely will. He's his manager, clearly. But we'll find out whether he's done the work because yeah. he won't be able to hide that. Yeah, um, And he's coming back from the foot injury. What can he offer your side? Are you confident his body will stand up? Yeah, well, I think he's building his body back up. Um, you know, it's been a long absence. I think he's played, what, 14 games in two years? Yep. Something like that. And, and three in the VFL? And he's now played three in the VFL. So I think the, the beauty with... Wellsy in our list at the moment, so we're really healthy, so we don't need to rush him. So if he needs, you know, three more, if he needs one more, if he's right this Friday night for Port, like we'll bring him in when, you know, Kevy White, fitness staff, coaches yeah. staff think he's ready. And he's come off a pretty significant injury where, yep. um, you know, he, he really turned the corner late and then all of a sudden he's really shot up and feels really strong with his body, feels good. Um, so now it's just about getting match play, getting match hardened, um, you know, but I've, I've watched his last two weeks that he's played, and how's um, he been? Like ball in hand, it's yeah, like it's at at VFL level, but it just stands out so much. His awareness, his skill, um, his ability to either kick the goal or find the best shot for a goal. You know, you know Ben Reed's another one that's playing down there, and yeah. you know he's a beneficiary of Wells' ball use because he is so clean, he is so quick, he makes the right decision, he makes the players around him better. So <clears throat> I've got I've got no doubt that when he's right. Um, physically that he'll come into our side and I've got no doubt that when he is in our side he makes us instantly a better team um, centre forward. Do you see what Ablett's doing and think that he can be the a finisher? I know he's not of the same. Yeah, so I've, I was funny. I was watching the Geelong West Coast game Sunday and um, before your article even come out, I was just, I literally was thinking, I was like, you know, if, when Wales is right to go that that's, without you know, putting words into the coach's mouth, that's the role that I think that he'd be electric for us because yep. he is as good a kick as Gaz going inside 50. He is as good as finisher going inside 50 is what yeah. Gaz is. So, um, yeah, it's just whether, you know, 
A, he, his body can stand up, which looks like it can. You know, he's had a massive block of training. He's played three games in a row now. So, yeah, it's just, and then when his opportunity comes, yeah. um, you know, I know he'll be ready for it and take it. And, and he'll be able to do, you know, I think with, with Wellesley, ball in hands, never going to be an issue for him. Yeah. It's, he's been like that since he's 17 and walked into the comp. Yeah. His mind is as sharp as ever. Yeah. I just, I know it's sliding doors and hypothetical which you don't want to entertain. I just wonder if you had Daniel Wells in that grand final team. I know you're not going to think about that now. But Daniel Wells and West Coast grand final team, when you had the opp- when you had the momentum in the game and the opportunities and couldn't quite convert, I reckon Daniel Wells and your team in that grand final side gives you t- two other goals. I reckon you're yeah. a two-goal better side with him fit and firing in your forward line. Yeah. But whether his body can stand up to it at age 34, we'll find out. Yeah, but I reckon the public even, are lost faith. So what I think, like the, the thing that Gary Ablett's doing so well at Geelong is he's just hitting the obvious kick, going inside fifty, the one that's coming up. Is that what it is to his face? So it's the it's the leading player. It's In a little his it's a little chip, fifteen meter, thirty meter pass. Whoever's hitting up at him, it's the hardest kick to defend because the way Gary kicks, he doesn't duel it at you. He lets you run onto it. I just sit there and I just think, you know. If that's another player with a ball in hand, they're just roosting that top of the square and the yeah. game stays fast. Yep. When Gaz gets it, he hits the right option, takes a mark, and then all of a sudden everyone's like, what an amazing kick that was. Yep. He's just taking the obvious kick that's in front of his face. But that's a hard kick to do because everyone wants to do something better than sort of an easy kick if that makes any sense at all. When is the competition going to cotton on to the fact that when you get the ball about 60 metres out, Scott, and Mason Cox is in the goal square, that you're going to three-quarter kick it to about... 20, 25 metres out from goal. Why is it? It's the most, after doing it in the Richmond preliminary final last year, well, I don't, why haven't rivals caught on to that fact that you are going to do that three-quarter kick it every time? No, well, I just kick it to where Coxie's going to be. And then my, in front of then, him, though. Then our connection between each other is like, I don't think anyone can spoil him. If I put it out in front, he yes. gets to run and jump. Yes. And well, then his thing is, I can't kick it that far, so he knows <laughs> if he leads any further than 50 metres, he ain't getting the ball. Well... If I see one Great more connection, if I see <laughs> one more team that one more backline think that you're going to kick it long to the square with Mason Cox is rather than twenty meters out in front, I might spew because it's what you do every bloody time. Oh, well. Hey, um, um, hey, just quickly on umpires, we're going to we got some fan questions, Coco. You've got we we so threw it, stacks. someone put it out on Twitter or you put oh, it out on Twitter? Yeah, plenty to talk about engagement. Yeah, um, so we got, we're going to get to those questions in a sec. You have to ask the five-time, five-time, three-time a question, <laughs> and he will answer it right here on the Jock and Journal podcast. Broadly, but proudly brought to you by the George. Hey, umpires have been a big talking point. Did you think that Jaden? I thought the Jaden Stevenson no. free kick was <whistles> holding the ball, yep. Steve-O. Yeah. This is an amazing thing that I, I and I, I say that I'm the public, yep. and you two geniuses might know, but this is a thing that I found staggering. Yep. The, the rule around like these dropping the balls, if you get tackled before you have prior opportunity and you attempt to handball or attempt to kick, even if you don't, that's play on. Yeah. I, yeah. I did not know that. So all of these years or since it's been in, I, I've been seeing these people just drop the ball and you're better off dropping the ball now. Yeah. So you're better off just pretending to handball yeah. and just keep dropping it. I didn't think it was dropping the ball. Crispy's one, I didn't think it was holding the ball because he handballed it. Will Hoskinelli has handballed it. And as much as it's like, because both those boys had ample time to get rid of the footy, prior opportunity, but they still got a handball out. And as much as it probably looks like it, they got an elite, they got a correct, sorry, they got a correct disposal out, a legal disposal. So, And then Steve-O's one, um, 
I knew. So when the, the umpires come to us, right, in, say, January, and they go through all this vision, and my teammates probably think I'm annoying because I pester Drill them up. with questions. Mm. So I'll go, say, Steve, one, if that got shown, I'll be like, so that's not holding the ball. And they'll be like, no, he didn't have prior. And I was like, so if that happens to us, that's just play on. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like I'm... I really like to know what we can and can't get away with. So what did you think in that moment? So in that moment, I was like, this is 100% going to be called play on because he didn't have prior. As soon as he grabbed it, the guy that tackled him had his right arm yeah. straight away. So I'm like, that's not prior because you've almost got to get an uncontested possession yes. as prior. Yep. Steve-O won that in a contest and Steve-O's 70 kilo, so it's like he's not going to try and fend anyone off. So I was like, all he had to do though Just was try. make an attempt. Mm-hmm. So if he had to put that ball in and didn't try to get it out, it would have been holding the ball. Because he just basically threw the ball out and swung his foot, doesn't matter if it hits or not, it was never going to be holding the ball. Do I agree with the rule? No. I think that if you get tackled and you try and dispose of it and you don't do it properly, yep. it should be dropping the ball because the whole point of a tackle is to not let you dispose of the ball properly. Agree. But it's not. So my job as a player is to understand those rules, those little tricks that you can get away with. So in the moment, I was like, all you had, to, all, I was, all I was hoping he did was literally like almost throw the ball, swing his foot, and it'll just be play on and the game would scramble. Quick mind. So that's not just his basketball background there, Cockos. Quick minded footballer. <laughs> I thought it was quick from Steve. This is where I think that the commentators really have a duty to know the rules. It, Correct. It, it, there's so many times where they guess rules or go over rules or yeah. call that holding the ball. I thought it was. Do you when, know what they do in the NBA that's really cool is they bring in like an official to be like, why wasn't that holding the ball? And he's part of like the comment, commentary. Yeah. Yeah. And he'd be like, because this, this and this. And he knows the rules. And all, as I said, I've said it before, all the umpire is doing is adjudicating the rules that the laws of the game committee give him. So do I think it should have been holding the ball if I had my rules my way? Yeah. 100% holding the ball. Yep. But in the rules, how they're written, it's not. Quick questions now. Has your relationship with the umpires changed over the course of your career? So there's a talking point right now that we're not going to have umpires in 10 years if we keep abusing them, A, in the media, B, on the feed, on the field, and C, in you know, amongst the footy public, local games, etc. <clears throat> yeah. Do you are you more mindful how you talk to the umpires, and has that changed at all? Yeah, I think the relationship between me and the umpires is when I first started, you just didn't say boo. Yeah. Um, it was also a lot simpler when I first started. I feel like they didn't have as much to adjudicate. Yeah. Whereas now, I do feel sorry for them. They've got so many little rules that they've got to worry about, um, and I feel like they don't get given a feel for the game. I'd love for umpires to have a feel for the game. Um, it's more technical adjudication. Yeah, it's real, real technical, and there's yeah. a lot of like. I don't know, it's like if this happens, that's the outcome. Where we play a grey area game, so there's going to be a few grey area decisions, you know. So I'd like that element of the umpires having feel for it. So there's still moments where in the heat of the moment, you know, I'll cook one of the umpires or, you know, I'll dispute a decision. But the one thing I do love now is umpires always seemingly now you can have that conversation with them. So And as a player, and if umpires are listening to this, that as a player, if the umpire just says, um, oh, sorry, mate, on my side where I was standing, it looked like this. That's why I've pinged. You just straight away, you're like, awesome. I get that. I can understand that. Yeah. Whereas when they give you nothing, sort of like, you know, you want that conversation. So, yeah. um, you know, if, say someone like Razor Ray is very good at explaining what he's seen and why he wanted to pay it. Yeah, um, and you respect and that, that. Straight away, 100%, you respect that because yeah. it's just that respect shown by having that conversation back and forth. But sometimes they look at you say <laughs> nothing. Yeah, sometimes you'll say, how did you pay that? And they'll just stare at you. Just stare at you or ignore you. Um, and then, you know, it's they can just be like as simple as from where I'm standing that he fell straight into his back. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I, for where you are, maybe it is. So, um, And then it tends to, if nothing gets said back, then players start chipping away, yep. give, give you something back. So, um, But, yeah, yeah, I, 
trying, yeah, trying to be a good role model for the boys and not lose my core, which I think I've got a good relationship with all the umpires um, as my time's gone through the game. Didn't you give a little Matty Guelphie with a peroxide of hair a nice old cook uh, in the end, Zach, though, when I was watching you? I saw it. You weren't happy. Hey, um, quickly, Marvel versus MCG. Go on, Coco. That's coming from a guy that had dreadlocks one stage in his career. True. I copped it too. <laughs> <laughs> Marvel versus the MCG. How do you play? Oh, Marvel Stadium. You play Marvel yeah, yeah. this week, this weekend, or this yep. Friday night. How do you do? You play the ground differently compared to the MCG. Do you change the way you play? Um, don't change the way we play, but it is. It's a lot quicker the ground. Um, it's it sounds, downhill. Sounds stupid, but you, you were can, telling us you can get to you get to goal a lot quicker. You know, if you play through that corridor, wide corridor, it's probably one less disposal you know, yep. on the ground that you actually need. So, yeah, field position becomes massive. Center bounces are so crucial. Less um, pigeons. You don't have to worry about pigeons. I wonder if the roof will be shut, lights will be on, roof will be open probably. Um, yeah, so it's a, it is a different ground. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to it. Right, now it's time to go to the fans, Scotty. We'll put it out on the Jock and Journo uh, Twitter account. Ask the five-time, five-time, three-time. Uh, any, you like uh, that, don't you? I do like that. Any, mate, if my mental piece was as full as yours, I'd be as proud of that as well. What's on your mental piece? Jason? I reckon I got under 14 coaches award there somewhere. Two-time trivia uh, champ, triple M. That's right, Scotty, which you helped me with. Thank I'm you on, for that. On one time. Don't forget that. <laughs> hey, um, right, here we go. First question. Um, could you beat Paddy Mills um, one-on-one in hoops? No, I wouldn't get near you him. You reckon he'd beat you, smash you? Absolutely. Yeah? Now, back in the day it would have been a good battle, but not now. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe when we were 15, 16, but now, no. I thought you were good at basketball. I'd, I don't reckon I'd even score. Who would you have given your Anzac Day <laughs> medal votes to? Well, good let's question. exclude yourself. Yeah, so if it wasn't, if I wasn't in it, bit left, like a bit left, not left to centre, but I thought Howie. Did you? I thought Howie was – he won some massive one-on-ones yep. when they had the run of play, like going into one-on-ones versus him and Stringer. Yep. And then I think he took 10 marks, seven intercept marks. I thought he was outstanding. So yep. I thought Howie was out there playing. And when you play, the funny thing is you actually don't really know who plays well. Um, I but call bulldust. You don't, you don't know who's playing well. I just knew that Howie had, pl- had a huge impact because I could keep seeing him win one-on-ones or yep. intercept. Other than that, unless someone's kicked six goals or something, you yep. don't really know. Hey, what do you have on the uh, St. Paul Tempest? What do you have for breakfast on the morning for games? And then what do you have for dinner after it? Uh, just recently, I live around the corner from Jerry's Milk Bar in Elwood. So Ching. been going there. I wish. Uh, be going there in the morning. So me, Al, Jacks go there, have a feed. Yep. So we get, I have porridge with banana and honey. And then get some toast with avocado. And then it just sort of depends on what Jax wants to eat or not. So, <laughs> yes. so a couple of weeks ago. Dads I got, will know. Mums got, and dads will know. I got porridge and I was like, sweet. Like pre-game porridge, bang. And then come out and Jax was like, oats, oats. And I was like, do you want the oats? And he's like, yeah. So I just ended up having like a quarter of a bowl of oats and some <laughs> avocado toast. He didn't want the toast. So. I play it both ways. So, so some weeks it's avocado toast, some weeks it's oats. That's so funny. Yeah. Dads will know. Dennis. Dinners after the game on the weekend. What did I have? Pizza. I had a pizza mm. after the game on the weekend. I was craving a pizza. So I was like sort of one of those ones. I was like, if we win today, pizza, pizza tonight. If we <laughs> lose, it would be like boiled veggies or something. <laughs> it's the simple joys in life, <laughs> yeah, Coggo. Yeah. That's yeah. how exciting it gets for our That's man. That's a very non-surprising answer. 46 yeah. weeks of discipline. What's yeah. the highlight? Tonight I get to have a pizza. Yeah. Have you ever had a game that's given you nightmares? I probably don't have nightmares. I don't sleep. So the close games, the close losses, 
say the grand final last year, um, you don't sleep after those sort of games. You, you think just about sit that there, first year life, sure. You just think about that. Um, you know, if, you know, say say uh, like round one this year against the Cats, lose by four points, five points, whatever it was. So after that game, I just kept replaying the moments in my head of what I could have done better, what where you could have done better as a side, and then I want to watch the game to understand where it fell down and just have those sleepless nights. And that's probably when you know when you have a good win like. Um, we did on the weekend where it's just sort of relief more than anything that you don't have to worry about it as much and you, you know you still go back you watch the game and you see what you could have done better but it's a little bit you know you've got the four points just enjoy it I've written some rubbish match reports which have given me nightmares uh, Scotty <laughs> so I feel your pain it's time for our Game of Thrones wrap up we saw episode three it was intense it was we've got spoilers coming up it was compelling I had a knot in my stomach the whole time I did struggle to see it a little bit especially oh. when my wife Jane turned the kitchen light on which sort of reflects into the TV screen I could hardly see one of the biggest episodes ever yeah we couldn't on. see when I start popped up at the end and took yeah. down the Night King. Switched their hands like yeah. Jordan, did, I reckon. Yeah. Did yeah. you feel a bit like that was sort of um, Dom Sheed in the grand final? Where did he pop? Where did she come from? <laughs> oh, a sprinkler just popped out of nowhere. <laughs> Initially, I thought when that happened, I was like, so they've like, it's pretty sudden. All of a sudden, this massive battle scene and then bang, within the Night King just turning up within 30 seconds of his walk, bang, he's dead. He did nothing. He did nothing. <laughs> He did not. They've hyped him for years. All the white like, walkers. This is years they've yep. hyped him, and he's just been walking for years. Yeah. Then he finally gets there, and he gets killed. Yeah, well, straight he had, away. He had so he had a chance to battle Jon Snow. Mm. Didn't just. Yeah. Brought all the whites back to life. Yeah. The white walkers did really nothing either. They, they just did. stood with the Night King. So like, go out and have a crack, mate. Let yeah. his dragon do something. <laughs> he did nothing. They just have one fight. But the whole, what's the point in bringing everyone back to life, which is a bit of, that's cockiness. Oh, that would have been so deflating, though. You've just killed 70% of the yeah. people and they're yeah, all very deflating. Back. What was their game plan? It's like, this guy brings the dead back to life. All right, we'll fight him with all of our people. Yeah. yeah. And then he can well, just bring the them back to life. The other thing is, too, their game plan was poor. Why would you send the Night poor. King in to kill Bran? Yeah. Why wouldn't you send one of the White Walkers in to try and yeah. do it first or something? Yeah. The, but anyway. One of the personal satisfaction. It's like the Brownlow medal. Wanted to get yeah. up there on the stage. Bran but really just checked out. Bran, yeah. He was. <laughs> he knew what was going to happen, so he was sweet. <laughs> he just- the most important scene and one of the best scenes was when Aya was tiptoeing through the library because that's when she established yeah, yeah. her evasiveness. Because yeah. otherwise, how do you just... Walk past thousands yeah, of all those skills come to the fort, didn't they? So that was a nice little scene. I also like the good lesson about preparation. Mm. Yeah, there. practice. That's Absolutely. right. Yeah. What's what's her saying? Um, a girl has no name. No, girl is the queen of Winterfell. Now, yeah. anyway, <laughs> the other scene I really liked. I thought this was the best scene. Right, is when the Dothraki horsemen sort of you know at the oh, center bounce. It. Yeah. Well, yeah. 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 When they when they try to um, bolt up through the guts and take on the, um, the whites, whites like and met their quick end, and you just saw the all the flames. Just yeah, yeah, out. you could like, see that was good. Very yeah. clever. When yeah. he come back, I'm not sure who it was that come back, and the look on his face was like, you yeah. don't want a piece of that. Yeah, trouble. Um, we're, yeah, out, we're outnumbered down there, boys. So we're still so <laughs> kicked to the wing. I know a lot of people died, but really no one died. No. None of the key people died at all. So no. the next Funny battle with, um, Cersei. with Cersei is yep. everything. It's huge. Yep. Yeah. But so now it's – that should have been one army versus the the dead. Now it's yep. the Starks effectively yep. versus the Lannisters. And the Starks have one of everything. They've got yeah. the brain. They've got the leadership. They've yeah. got the – And they've got two dragons still. Yeah, still got two I dragons. I thought one of them got – I thought no, one of them two. got – 
Really? Yeah. Injured. Out one like, or two yeah, weeks. One. Injured, but they'll give him some time yeah. on the sidelines. Hamstring. Yeah, yeah. I also like the scene where the whites, was so they lit the trench and then the whites like fell down on the flames. Yeah, yeah, you could see that was going to happen. Nice subtlety yeah, yeah. in the, you know, yeah. bit silent. Yeah. Um, what was the red lady? That was cool when she yeah, had those couple of moments witch. where she did yeah. touch the swords and then. Yeah, impact she, player. She, did she go away and learn some tricks? Yeah, she did. She didn't couldn't she? do much to that. Yeah. She could turn herself on fire. That was yeah. about it. And yeah. she come back and she could light a whole army on fire. Well, it was, yeah, the, the going back to the, the dead just throwing themselves. It was just, I reckon that was a point to show that. He doesn't see them as people. They're just collateral damage. Yeah. They lie down on the fire. They, yeah, they, just they use themselves yeah. to climb walls. Yeah. yeah. Well, it yeah. doesn't matter. Because, but it didn't matter. Yeah, because the Night King would just bring them back to life at some but point it, anyway. It built all to this thing. Theon Greyjoy impressed me. I told you he was set for a, a moment of heroism. Sorry, he did die. So he lost someone. Yeah. But he impressed me. His battle skills were He restored his reputation on the big stage. Yeah. And he had a crack at the Night King. Yeah, but what did <laughs> you think? Take it step. When he just runs at the Night yeah, King, silly. you're thinking, oh, he, throw, your weapon, good throw your weapon first and see what happens. Yeah. And then, <laughs> he didn't give himself yeah, much of a chance. Basically, should have, he fell on his own sword. Oh, yeah. And the, and the girl that took down the giant by stabbing him. In oh, the that was yeah. a nice. That was a little fist pump moment. Yeah, yeah. Big moment. That was, yeah, that was huge. That was a good way for her to go out. Anything else particularly fancy? No, Ned watched? Stark came back through the crypt. crypt. Did he? No. 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 I kind of thought that would yeah. happen. No. It was Tyrion pretty, and got pretty Sansa crazy down there. Hiding. Tyrion Did went they to they have a little something? moment? Yeah. A little handheld. Down there? Yeah, yeah. That was a bit... We'll see what plays out. That was interesting. I'm going to put it out there. I reckon this uh, series has been a lot cheesier than previous ones. Yeah. The whole Game of Thrones theory has been like, if you stuff up or you do something wrong, yeah. you pay the consequences. Yeah. And this season has just been like, They're, good yeah. news, everyone. Everyone's yeah. good <laughs> so and everyone far. lives. And so there's still got five episodes to go, though. I was glad is that. Is it? Yeah. There's eight, isn't there? No, there's I only like six. three. Three oh. left. Yeah, They're there's three left. Ass. They're all that long. I like how it's happened. The first two were slow, but that last night was bang. I thought they might have dragged the battle out over two episodes. That. So yeah. that's good. Now, yeah, it's going to get heavy now. And to be honest, I'm glad that the dead are out. Yeah. They were, they were a myth. It kind of just feels like a waste. Though. Yeah, yeah. A long build-up. Next weekend, I think we've got the Carlton superstar and potentially the number one player in the game. Patrick Cripps, I think, is going to join us. Yeah, uh, we fellas. play him next week too. Oh, that's going to be that'll be great. That's going to be nice. Um, I might all also ask you whether you think James Harden is a flopper and the changes, the this diving that is happening in basketball at the moment is yeah. a disgrace, Scott. It is. And I, I want you to fire up on it. Yeah, I don't want well, you to tell us now. So um, with the dive, I don't know the r- exact rule like because what, like, you know, when you jump and then where you can land. So I thought you had to go straight up and down. A lot of their, their shots is like they jump, they land a metre forward of it, and it's like you can't get in their landing space. It's like, well, where can you stand? James Harden's landing on his ass. Yeah, That's exactly. And they're landing. shooting and sticking their hips out and yeah. stuff. Like just play basketball. Th- There's a great, great thing around around. It's like James Harden needs the rest to have a good night, to have a good night. KD just needs the ball. Oh, I like that. I are you, like that. Are you asking and, Scott about diving because of what happened on the weekend? Nope. Who dove? Oh, my Scott. head, my high free kick. I got that high free kick. You missed it. Yeah. You know what? Oh, I that one. That was a free kick. Yeah. Oh, well, you didn't well, dive. I was you, you bent over to pick up the ball, Jeez, and they hit you in the head. You always know because <laughs> usually the player on the mark. <laughs> Can we record that again. If, if, you, if you, if you, um, if you go, if you lead with your head, yes. and players feel like you cheated it, they'll yeah. let you know. Yeah. And it's like you have a look at Zach Merritt on the mark. He didn't say anything because no. he's like you knew they shouldn't have done it. Well, you tried to pick up the yeah. ball. Well, off I did the pick up the ball. I can't pick it up. My arms are seven foot long. I was trying to have a joke. I yeah. didn't know Jay Z would get yeah. so yeah. defensive. Got my yeah, I laid myself open. <laughs> yeah. I copped some text messages from Julian to Stoop oh. and some other TV personalities, which I will remember 
And I'm actually, I might get in the podcast next week. Hey, we are at the George Scott. Our listeners are going to get down here. We're going to do a live show down here this season, maybe when you've got a break or before your 2019 finals campaign, asterisk, hopefully. So everyone has got to get down here, not only for the best drinks and cocktails in Melbourne, Scotty and Coco, there's a Vietnamese menu that you and I both love. Blows yourself The up. bowels. I we tell love you the what. bowels. I'm a big coriander man. Do you guys like coriander? Uh, From the George, I do. Yeah, we'll, we'll <laughs> we love the bowels. It is the number one herb. Um, <laughs> and there's plenty of that in the Vietnamese stuff. From millionaire eggplant to mum's pork belly, you'll be spoiled for choice with Khan Ong's new lunch and dinner menu. It's all fresh, fragrant, packed with authentic Vietnamese flavours. Coco, perfect for an after-work bite. Catch up with mates and family dinner. You might take Sandy down here maybe and a little romantic catch-up or something like that. With some vouchers. (laughs) Something like that. Without the cooking or washing up, of course, and then the bar here looks absolutely magnificent, Scott. I know you're very disciplined, but I like to drink the big beers personally. Um, You are not having a bad time at the George. Get down here, do a live show, have a chat with us, get involved. The George... Fabulous drinks and dining at 162 Collins Street. The top end of town. Yep. That's some good your effort. beauty. Uh, just before we go, yep. uh, what's your top three herbs? Uh, coriander, obviously, number one. Yeah, I reckon basil's overrated, personally. I'm not a big basil man. Um, look, herbs. I'm going to have to think about that. Coriander, oh, clear number one, though. Oh, My on. most added thing to food would be chili. Yeah, I don't know if that's a herb. That's, that's because just... robots can't taste things. He's yeah. trying to spice it up. <laughs> Bang, <laughs> chili. <laughs> robots, Scott. I like it. Coco, we'll catch you next week. Oh, Hopefully, Patrick Cripps will be here five time, five time, three time. Thanks, mate. Good luck. Thanks, two time. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, good luck for the game against Port Adelaide. Should be an absolute beauty. Marvel Stadium on Friday night. Pies looking for another victory. This has been the Jock and Journo Show with the George on Collins Street. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you. 